Welcome to another episode of the Coffee Break Podcast, where we share business ideas, practices, and strategies while we enjoy our coffee break. My name is Chad Lingefeld with LockDock Security, and today our guest is one of our very own. We'll be sharing our coffee break today with Mr. Lucas Ward. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. (laughs) We'll chat with him more right after this. so much to say we got a podcast to make we're sipping on lattes and it's time for a coffee break it's time for a coffee break oh yeah well welcome aboard this morning uh, i did want to address one major issue that we were a few minutes late going live this morning um, Chad's fault. Yeah, it's completely and utterly my fault. The uh, the espresso machine was not working properly this morning, and so we had to take a few extra minutes uh, for a pour-over so that we could have coffee for the coffee break because that would be a travesty. So, uh, But we're here. Everything's good. Everything's working, and it looked like the espresso machine was may, maybe on the mens Hopefully. before I left. So. Otherwise, I'll be... Uh having some pour over myself later on yeah we'll we'll have major major issues the thing got a workout yesterday we had some we had about 20 guests here yesterday and i i don't even know how many cups of coffee that we made yesterday but anyway uh hey lucas thank you for being here today glad to be here um for those of you who are not aware lucas is uh one of our team members here he uh, handles our app development been on the podcast a few times in Uh, the past fourth time i think oh i'm not i mean who's counting yeah <laughs> so uh I, glad to have you back glad to uh to chat with you i think we've got a, a, a really cool conversation that has been building um for a while sure uh, I, talking about development types yeah i think i think we've touched on it uh here and there in a, a few previous episodes but to to go in and do a, a real deep dive is uh, pretty exciting but before we do that, we do have a recurring segment on the podcast called Rapid Fire. Yeah, Five man. randomly selected questions to get to know you a little better. Great. You you have have you done Rapid Fire before? Yes, I have, and it's as stressful as it looks. Sweet. All right. Number one, uh, what is the weirdest thing that you've ever eaten for breakfast that is not breakfast food? Leftover steak. Hmm. Not that weird. Yeah, that's not strange. Strange to me because I typically eat a Nutrigrain bar and a half a bottle of water exactly that so to to deviate from that at all let alone to have some leftover steak is pretty weird for my norm what is the strangest things that your strangest thing that your parents have ever done to embarrass you oh man that's a tough one um well I went on a cross-country trip and when I came back from the trip 23 days later they uh, forgot to pick me up, so that was <laughs> pretty embarrassing. And uh, when I got there, they were like, "Oh, we thought you would call," and it was like, you know, I didn't have a cell phone back then, and uh, so that was pretty embarrassing. But not too bad. I still love them. They just forgot about you. Yeah, right. You know, twenty-three days. You know, you think they. Anyway, I better not say any more about that. <laughs> What's the last place that you'd be caught dead? Ooh, a nail salon. I cannot stand the smell of nail polish and. Uh, I mean, those places, they're just a racket anyway, so. Hmm. What is the most random thing in your wallet? Well, let's have a look. Um, Probably. Uh, we have. <laughs> <laughs> I have a top golf call- card. That's pretty uh, pretty is. random. I um don't golf and haven't been since we went as a company, so 
my wallet tends to collect many cards over time and has to be purged every once in a while. Awesome. All right, and last one. What was your childhood crush? My childhood crush. Well, when I was, I think I was 11 or 12, I got a uh, Shania Twain CD. And for whatever reason, I was enamored by her. So, you know, I I would have to say that was my childhood crush. <laughs> I hate country and western music now, so I don't even I don't know. Hey, you know. that doesn't impress me much. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> do, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, you passed. Good job. You uh, scored seven hundred and thirty-three points. So congratulations on that. That surely puts me in the lead. It does. It does. I'm not sure what the scores were the for the other uh, guests were, but it's probably a new high score. Uh, Lucas has, has been with us now for, uh, I don't know, I keep saying about a year and a half. That's probably getting close to two years. Uh, October will uh, make it two years, so a year, a half, and uh, a couple months, I guess, something like that. Since the last time you've been on the podcast, you've had a couple of changes in your world. Uh, yeah, I uh, had a baby, um, Everett Scott Ward, healthy little uh, newborn boy, and um, I'm down to just one cat now. So that's a, a plus. Also uh, changed uh, domiciles to the Concord area, so I'm not sitting in that 77 traffic anymore. And now I'm the senior app developer instead of just the regular app developer. So, <laughs> so big things are happening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and in all honesty, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about today and, and, and how a lot of this conversation has happened. So... The big topic for today is we're going to be talking about different types of development methodologies. Is that a best way to to sure. to, to frameworks structure? methodologies and and how we can apply that into business practices as well? Because I don't want this to go to a, too far off the rails where it's just all about app development because that's not the that's not the purpose of the conversation. The purpose of the conversation is to understand how how some app developers are using these methodologies and what business owners and uh, managers and leaders can learn from that and how they can apply that to their business is is kind of the direction that I want to Right. Go. And I, I think it's becoming more and more common that um separate industries are are borrowing from each other for, you know, methodologies, especially when it comes to business development. Um, you know, for as as far as developing computer software, kind of historically there was this very um rigid process and it was a, a a long process with many technical details being gathered up front and um that kind of speaks to how the software was designed back then. Now with the onset of all the tools and the the speed of development, new methodologies have been created. Um, and in, in particular, of course, we're talking about the uh, agile methodology, which has spawned in of itself many development frameworks. So the, the two kind of recognized uh, methodologies is waterfall and agile. Um, one of the first, I think, I feel like we had that conversation and you probably explained all this to me a long time ago, but a few months ago, we were interviewing additional app developers because we're expanding that, uh, that's, portion of our business and uh one of the uh interviews asked the question what method do you use for development and it really kind of sparked a whole thought process for me of hold on a second this is actually a real thing this isn't just something that lucas was making up yeah <laughs> i feel like we have moments like that a lot where uh, i feel validated for sure so thank you to whoever that uh, interviewee was but um you know it's there's kind of when when agile 
when the Agile Manifesto was written in 2001, there was a lot of controversy surrounding it. Um, the developers that you know participated and signed the manifesto, they wanted to not only in, include in improve their software development um, methodologies, but they also wanted to improve their kind of quality of life within their their jobs. So to go from you know the rigid structure, the waterfall method, you start at the very top of the waterfall and you, you go down to the bottom. When you're at the bottom, you're finished. Maybe you return to the top if there's, you know, if you really miss the mark to something like agile where you are constantly iterating, sometimes on a daily or with extreme programming, you know, you could iterate multiple times in a day. So I, I think, um, yeah, I kind of trailed off there. I don't remember what the well, original question the, was. The, the original kind of concept was, so the, they asked this question and you, you, right, you responded right, right. with that you, right. you so, operate under agile. So, you know, having some college graduates in here to interview them, if you say anything other than Agile or Scrum or Kanban, they're going to run the other way. Whereas, as I was saying, the, the kind of split and the controversy is, you know, some older developers, some people that are more seasoned in the industry and worked with the previous technologies are, are still very much tied to the waterfall method with comprehensive documentation and contracts and, and all of that stuff. Whereas Agile seeks to kind of get rid of all of the, the bureaucracy and the hand-waving and and kind of just really get down to, hey, you know, we, we're developing software here for the customer. We need to make sure that the customer likes what we're doing as we're doing it, not just as a finished project. Because a lot of times what the customer wants changes over time. Yeah. So one of the uh, examples that I've, I've kind of given and even uh, heard of with this process is on the waterfall method. It's um, a lot of information being gathered up front in various pockets. Then people make decisions. And they work over a long period of time to produce something, and then they hand it over and present it and say, hey, this is what we came up with based off of our our, our work. And then it's reviewed, and people go, well, okay, this, this works, or we this is not what we wanted. And then you have to go back and start that process all over again. And that's when the contract comes out and says, well, these were the specifications. And that's nobody wants to deal with that. That's uh, that's not good business. And um I think that you know when you when you're doing the agile methodologies you're you're revisiting those requirements and as soon as you have working software you're showing it to the customer. Yeah. And when the customer see you know they you may show them exactly what they requested but when they have it in their hands and they see it that could very easily change. They say, "Oh, this is exactly what I imagined, but now that I'm seeing it, I am kind of visioning something else." Yeah. And so, you know, the the framework, the methodology supports those quick iterations. So an example of that, uh, as we have been developing software here in our organization, learning from the development. So the original idea, the original brainstorm is is this. We, we need you know this particular process to result in this particular end result. But once you actually see it come to fruition, then you go, oh, I didn't know that was possible. Can we change and, and, and develop this additional result? which I think is what you're kind of talking about, uh, thinking through as you're, as you're presenting new and new ideas, it sparks, or as you're presenting the idea that was originally requested, it can spark new ideas outside of that, which can change the course. Right, and, and because of that, you never really land on a finished product. You know, you, you constantly, new features are added every time that you meet with the customer sometimes. So, you know, in, in the case here at LockDoc, we may be working on a, a part or a module or something, you know, um, a slim piece of it. 
And once that's completed and, and seen, or at least the first iteration is, it may spark new ideas for additional modules. So it's not, hey, here's the requirements, um, get it done, it's done, it's finished. It's here's the requirements, this piece is done, this piece needs work, let's add a new piece here. And it's just a constantly evolving ecosystem. Yeah. So understanding those two types of things, and, and I, again, from a from a listener or viewer standpoint, trying to those that may not be into app development, understanding what that looks like. That's um, traditional product development is probably more of that waterfall where you you know they you you hear about something but you don't actually see it until two years, three years down the line, and then what you actually end up seeing may or may not fit the use case that you originally had expected because a lot of other things changed over two or three years of time. Right. And, and where that plays into kind of quality of life is, you know, someone, someone pours their heart and soul into a project for two or three years and then is told it's, it's not what they, what they wanted. You have to redo it is a, a awful thing to hear. It's uh, can be soul sucking. So to, to be in a group that is agile, that is using scrum sessions to update, you know, um, requirements and things like that and give deliverables, then suddenly it's, you know, you're getting fast feedback so you can correct where you're wrong and you can also, you know, have something to show for the work that you've been putting in. So we were talking the other day about a, a lot of this and, and you mentioned on the Agile Manifesto and you originally heard about it uh, through some of your college days. Tell us a little bit more about the purpose of that, the reason for it, where it kind of started from. So when I initially um, went to college, I was learning very low level languages like um, C, um, we were learning Java, and we were very much learning the waterfall method. And then my junior year in college, suddenly the curriculum had changed. And, um, you know, I could, I could tell the professor in particular that I'm thinking of, it was a software development class. He was, you could tell he was very frazzled. He was teaching something that maybe he didn't necessarily buy into. But all of us students, you know, we read the Agile, Agile Manifesto. And this is in, in 2013 when, um, you know, the, the SAS book, which is uh, engineering software as a service, an agile approach using cloud computing, which is a horribly long name, but um, an awesome resource at the time. It was really the first cutting edge, like, hey, agile plus cloud frameworks plus continuous integration and just brought together all the technologies. You know, as students, we all really bought into it and we're sure. like, hey, this is, this is something different. We haven't seen this. You know, what we've been learning is... Uh, seems very old school compared to this and so you know i i definitely bought into it at that point um and kind of took you know took it and ran with it but um there's a there's a, a lot to be said to to being able to kind of utilize the new speed of technology with cloud cloud systems and web services with a fast-paced framework if you try to apply waterfall to APIs and web services, it just, there's, there's no point. By the time you finally get something to market, it's already outdated. Yes. And so, okay. The agile method is give us kind of the basic structure as it's not necessarily related to app development, just the, the basic structure of what it means. Okay. So uh, the agile manifesto really describes it best. Um, and I have it, I have it written down here cause I, I couldn't memorize it, but, um, essentially it's, it's very short. It says, individuals and interactions over processes and tools, working software over comprehensive documentation, customer collaboration over contract negotiation, and responding to change over following a plan. And then there's a caveat that says, you know, 
although we value the things on the right, which if it's written down, that's processes, documentation, negotiation contracts, and plans, we value the stuff on the left more. So the human interaction, the working software, the deliverables, the uh, collaboration with the customer, those things are, are what are valued. And it's, it's really, it can kind of be looked at like a set of core values similar to what we have in our organization. It's, you know, don't push contracts and, and you know, provide working software and collaborate with your team and with your customer. That stuff's invaluable. So how have we applied that here in LockDoc through app development, through the process of uh, putting together a, a, a software that essentially runs our entire business but does uh, the dispatching of our service technicians, uh, pricing, inventory, all of the things that it does? How have we utilize this methodology in that process? So one of the, the things that really struck me when I first started, and I know you said this on the podcast a bunch of times, but um, you know, y'all, y'all sort of gave me a blank slate and said, uh, you know, go and run with it. And from, from the Agile Manifesto came, came 12 principles of Agile software development. And one of them is to you know, put good, motivated people into an environment where they can do good work and measure their progress by working software, not by how many tasks that they've completed. And y'all have very, very much done that here. Um, you know, when, whenever I started a course, y'all gave me the blank slate, which was a little scary, but um, you know, I knew the agile methodologies. And so I, I kind of knew what I needed to do. I needed to get something working quick and fast, a, a minimal viable product, if you will, which would have been our, our first order work, workflow management system. Yep. And um, from that point on, just start collaborating with the team and you know, really putting the developer, and it doesn't have to be an app developer, it can be a business developer or manager, in communication constantly with the team, filling their stress points and trying to improve their workflow and processes. That's been uh, very nice here. You know, it's been, it's been a wonderful journey for sure. So get the product together as fast as you can, get it into their working hands and then listen to feedback. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's really been the biggest learning thing um, from my perspective, kind of watching that is once you get it into their hands, then seeing and watching how they actually use it changes how you respond to the uh, kind of the next iteration or how you, how you make changes from that point, because if you if you don't watch how they're being how it's being used or if you don't listen to feedback of how it's being used then you can quickly get off course oh yeah a lot a lot of times what i think is uh best or optimized is is very different than what the the team actually needs and so you know working if you work six months on something and then give it to them and they say it's you know this is trash then that again goes to that kind of spirit crushing you know yeah. soul sucking so the you're better off putting something working out there as fast as possible, constantly iterating, sometimes making updates daily or weekly. You know, if uh, something you want to just say, hey, well, we like to try this feature out, push it out and uh, give it a try. And even if that's, you know, a business practice, like, hey, we want to try keeping snacks in the hallway. And then, you know, you get feedback like, oh, we don't like Captain Crunch. So, you know, get a uh, honey wheats or whatever. I mean, that's, that's seriously, that's you, very can, subtle. you can apply it to uh, <laughs> Captain Crunch has been back there for weeks. Uh, you can apply it at any level in your organization. So uh, that I'm sorry, that was hilarious. Um, so with that, with that said, um, thinking through the process because there's also been in some of this development ideas that have come up. Hey, it'd be great if we did this. Uh, one that one in particular was it'd be great if we could go ahead and put um, which if. 
I'm trying to I'm trying to keep this as generic as possible uh, for for those outside of our industry. But keying records, one of the concepts that we had had was predetermining some keying records so that a technician could go ahead and select that easily without having to go through a lot of process. And we spent a little bit of time developing that and, and putting that in place and then found out that it wasn't actually something that was useful. Right. So and sometimes that's an issue with, uh, you know, documentation or with training. But, um, you know, something, you know, that we thought would be a really great idea turned out to kind of be a broken process out in the field. And so what happened is, you know, we didn't necessarily remove that feature because there was a few people that were using it and getting benefit from it. But we didn't necessarily go back and iterate over it and expand on it because why waste time on something that is only being marginally used? Yeah. So this is the kind of the conclusion to this conversation. That, and it, and it, what really gets me excited is understanding those two different methodologies and then stepping back and looking at business as a whole, how business moves, the speed at which business moves. So if you're thinking through the waterfall method and that's how you implement things in your business, then it is a a lot of buildup. It's a lot of uh, trying to work through, gather information, document everything well, prepare everything well, present it, and then see if it actually works or not and maybe you've got six months a year invested in all of this prep work and then find out it's not an actual viable process or solution or benefit to your business at all and you just scrap it all right so that that would kind of follow that waterfall method and we've all been there and a lot of times i feel like in small business that you get started down that path and you you never complete it because it's just overwhelming to start with yeah i mean that's a any project of any sort that is uh, takes a year to complete is, you know, that's an endeavor. And if it's something that is, you know, not tangible, that's ephemeral, like a business process or a piece of software, then it can be really hard to um, kind of follow through that, you know, follow through to completion. The, the impulse to complete is very difficult with kind of the longer the, the planning process. Eventually you just get sort of lost. Yeah. So finding that starting point and then building off of it is a, a much better approach. So then applying the agile method to business processes, it's we have an idea. What is the kind of the, the minimal that needs to happen to get it rolling to see if it is actually viable and then tweak and adjust as we go. So there's a couple of things there. Um, the whole, we have an idea phase, you know, a lot of times it's one person in the organization that, that comes up with an idea, but if you are having you know, multiple meetings and not, you know, not the big everyone get together and listen to one guy talk, but a face-to-face -face interaction with a few team members. Um, maybe the idea that you came up with involves them, or maybe y'all are coming up with ideas together, you know, and, and what I'm describing essentially is, is a scrum session, but it doesn't have to be a web, it doesn't have to be a framework, it doesn't have to be a, a strictly follow, followed thing. You know, you can just get together with your team members and discuss fail points and ideas and, and the visions, and then find some actionables off that. So so from Agile came, you know, Scrum and Extreme Programming. And, and these are all frameworks for executing ideas. So in the situation that we're talking about, you've come up with this idea. Well, the next step there is to say, how do we begin to execute on this? Yep. What are some actionables? What are some things that we can go and do today? 
And so you, you build what's called a backlog. You, you fill it up with all the things you know you need. It may not be in order and it may not be as granular as it needs to be, yeah. but you get something down somewhere in a tool on a piece of paper. And then you have those frequent meetings and discuss, okay, what's been done? What needs to be done next? What's the priority? And it's not somebody saying, hey, this is the priority. This is, needs to be done. It's a, a collaboration where everyone is in agreement. And so th- those types of frequent meetings and that type of planning you know, if you're doing that, then you're already doing the agile method and you're already, you know, on your way to a, a better methodology. Yeah, it's it's um, one of the and I've outlined this process before on a couple of videos and we, we do it internally a lot. But outlining all of those things and categorizing them, what's broken, it needs to be fixed, what's missing that needs to be added, what's complicated or confusing that needs to be clarified. Uh, yeah. And and we go through that process and then say, okay, what, if we put all of our effort towards one of them, what's going to be the biggest benefit of our organ to our organization? And that's kind of, if you're working on a backlog all the time and identifying that, then you can go through it. So a, a ap- applicable uh, example of all of this is within the last, uh, let's say three months, um, we, we did that exercise in one of our small group meetings. It was a collaborative effort. We said, okay, hey, we, we need, there's a lot of things that we need to work on inside of our organization, but we, you know, we have limited time, limited ability. So let's start uh, writing all of the things down that we need to work on. And it, there was a, not a lot of structure behind it. It was write a thing on a piece of paper, a little sticky note, and we put them on the board. Uh, in the uh, in in the in the room in there, we said, "All right, so just start lining them out, lining them out." And then there were several that were similar, so we grouped those together. And then once we got all those on the board, then everybody in the room had um, I don't remember what it was seven votes, six, yeah, six or seven votes, six or seven votes, and you could go apply those votes to. Uh, you could apply all seven votes to one item if you were that passionate about it, or you could distribute them around one vote, two votes, whatever, on the different items. And then from that, we had the top three, mm-hmm. I think, that, that we co- brought together. And then from that, everybody was able to go vote again, and we created a priority. Um, and so that was a prime example of a collaborative effort that said, is this how, how do we get everybody on board with whatever it is that we need to work on? And the result of that was we had lack of documented processes, right? So SOP, standard operating procedures, we didn't have a way to keep track of all that. And the result of all that has been um, for the past several months, everyone working it. So we we went through and, and established, okay, first we need to have a format for standard operating procedures. That was a collaborative effort. Yep, template. Yep figuring out a template, figuring out how that process is going to work. Then we, once we decided uh, this is a template, then we said, okay, let's start churning them out every week. Let's churn out every department, bring up a document, a process. So we started small. And then from that, and this is the kind of evaluation iteration process is they bring it back on the next week, on the next Wednesday, present it to everybody. And then we poke holes in it or we ask questions. Right. And that's, that's been a very enlightening process because it's, it's, it's one thing to create SOPs for people, but to have them create them for themselves to see how they envision their own process working, it, it puts a little bit of the power into their hands, but then it also, it'll show you, hey, you know, sometimes people are doing these crazy roundabout things that yeah. could be easily remedied. And other times it's like, oh, well, you know, we had no, no idea that this was even being used in this manner. So, you know, ha- having those meetings and documenting those, 
lots of good is going to come from that because we'll be able to create training uh, manuals. We'll be able to onboard people quickly and um, essentially create kind of a, a turnkey style. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I guess my point of all, all of that, that we kind of walking through that process is we did that, we poked holes in it, then we went back and cleaned it up and made it better, kind of always improving that process. And through it, we said, okay, well, where are all these things going to live? Where are all these mm-hmm. documents, all this work that we're putting in, where's it going to live? And so then it went down a path of kind of evaluating a couple of different things for, for them to live. And my point of all of this is, had we gone back and looked at this from a waterfall standpoint, it would have been, all right, the end goal is we need to have documented processes. Well, we have to do all this research and figure out where we're going to put it, how it's going to be done, all this stuff. Meanwhile, we have documented zero processes. Right, and when you finally looked at the documented processes, there would be no chance to, hey, let's fix these along the way. Yeah. So so utilizing the Agile method in something as simple as that, we now have... I don't know what the number is, but at least a dozen, maybe more processes that are fully documented that we now can bring into um, a, a online system that any new p- team members, any existing team members can have access to and, and be able to to utilize it for benefit for faster improvement going forward. Right. And and that goes back to the, you know, the working software over comprehensive documentation. So, you know, applied to something outside of software, you know, working processes over comprehensive documentation. But that's not to say that the comprehensive documentation is not important. Yeah. It's just that get your process in place, get it working first, and then create your documentation. And you'll find that if you do that the opposite way, you're going to be doing a lot of double work because then you'll be creating documentation to build a process and you don't even know if the process is efficient or works yet. Yeah. And I, and I will say that because uh, I know I, I aggravate like folks like Levi in our organization because I like to jump that process ahead and just say, I ah, just try to figure it out. And when there is already documentation to help us th- through that process, yeah. uh, but it is, it's kind of that learning of, of, of applying it. Does it work? Does it fit? Does it, does it fit the need? And then let's go back and tweak it and make it better over time. Right, the iterations. And uh, Levi's, he almost came up with his own agile methodology, the the, the aim, yeah. which is analyze, um, implement, and modify. Modify. So, you know, that that's really awesome that that just kind of came out of thin air. Or maybe he looked it up, I don't know. But um, it's, it's just interesting to see, you know, uh, people, <laughs> people that are outside of the app developer and software development space buying into the agile methodologies. It, yeah. it makes my life much easier because then I don't have to explain to people why we're frequently meeting or doing exactly what we're doing. And, um, it's, there's definitely been a lot of, um, growth and improvement in, in various areas of the organization because of it. Well, one of the things too, that I want to add on this, because the, the thinking in the agile method versus a waterfall method or whatever, and how you're, how you're processing through that business. Cause that's, that's been something that I think our organization has, has moved to, um, over a period of time, it's not always been that way, but um, it's it's kind of moving more towards that that direction. Understanding, I think, your core values or what your actual mission is is a better starting point to be able to move that way. Because if not, if you don't really understand what your core is, then utilizing agile methodology is just going to be a scattered mess because you're just going to be all over the place. But if you have some core to, 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 to apply that back to and go, okay, is this where we need to go? Is this, is this part of what we're about? Then it get it makes those decisions a lot faster. Yeah. You, you can't just look at 
agile as a, a process that can be applied anywhere. It has to be a, a thought process change. It has to yeah. be it has to be bought into in its core level. Um, the the manifesto, you know, it's basically a list of values, and um, if you try to apply the agile method without kind of you know initially investing in those core values and the culture, if you will, then you're you're gonna have some some issues along the way, I would think. Yeah. Well, I, I I'm, and again, just processing all this as we're having this conversation, I think a lot of the agile methodology is. Uh, some some people may re- say may see it as flying by the seat of your pants type thing, sure. and and it is in some ways, but it also is a structure around it. Right. I um you know, a lot of times in software development, you are kind of flying by the seat of your pants. Some um, you know, technologies that you learn can can change, you know, a few days later, a few weeks later, and uh, you're kind of always learning and always improving. But um when it comes to business practices, you know, they're you know, maybe you set out to improve a particular business practice and you find that it was just fine how it was, and that's fine. So, you know, just because you're always attempting to improve doesn't mean that you're changing just for the sake of change. You're just finding those improvements. And over time, the, you know, the big things get fixed and then you're suddenly your agile is just working on the small things. So yeah. it's from the outside, it can look like that. But, um, you know, utilizing tools like Jira, and Trello and you know sprint planning there there is some kind of structure to it yeah but the that structure in particular is is meant to be it's meant to easily change so it's it's you know you you still have a plan you still are following some sort of path but part of that structure includes the ability to respond to change quickly and easily so a question for you to, to kind of tie a bow on this conversation People are listening to this. People are watching this and going, "This process unnerves me. Like I, I, it's it rattles me to think that this is a thing." What is some advice that you would give? Some uh, some way for people to try it out or think through that way, through, well, think through that process. I would say, uh, you know, don't knock it until you try it. Of course, but um, if it's if there's fear or um, you know uh, if you're getting anxious about it it's probably because your company or your organization is already supporting too many bureaucratic processes. So, you know, if you're saying to yourself, oh, you know, Tony over in whatever department is, he's not going to buy into this because he likes to really have a tight rein on his guys and be in charge. Well, then that's where the core values change comes in. You know, having people in the right place at the right time to, you know, inspire other people and to motivate them versus, trying to you know have a tight rein on things you it it comes from a lot of trust you know if Mm. you if you don't Mm. trust your people then how are you ever going to let them get in a room together and have meetings and make real decisions that could affect your business you know and you can sit in on those meetings as a business leader but with the caveat of you know my input is equal to if not less than the input of my teammates here especially if it's something that they specialize in and you don't and um, I think that, you know, you, you have to buy into it at that core level. And uh, if the fear is, is coming from, you know, individuals in your business that don't buy into it, then maybe it's time to sit down and have that talk with them. Hmm. Very interesting information. Thank you very much for sharing the concept. I know 
this process has been majorly beneficial in our organization to see how this it's it's allowed us and I, I mentioned this in a meeting yesterday it's allowed us to to move at a higher rate of speed um, and ultimately get a better I feel like a better product overall in a lot of things that we do in app development but it's also rolled over into other business processes it's the concept of you know what that sounds like a good idea let's try it and put a timeline on it to see if it works if it doesn't then we can adjust and and and, and or scrap it but if it does then let's make it better mm-hmm. continual so I, I really like the thought process on that so with that said thank you very much uh for more information on lucas uh you can check out our website lockdoc.net slash app app yep. is going to tell you a lot of everything that you've been working on see some uh some cool videos some demo videos some screenshots and some um some different stuff regarding the opening management system and we've got more of that stuff coming very very soon so uh keep your eyes and ears peeled for that in the meantime for those of you who are listening or watching for the first time today we have got tons of episodes available uh we are uh coming into our first full year of doing this podcast every tuesday at 9 a.m uh so we have close to 50 episodes that are online and available for you to download so be sure to go check that out lockdoc.net slash podcast is where you can subscribe you can listen uh you can watch all of the podcasts that we've done up to this point. I would ask you for those of you who are watching or listening, make sure if you are listening on um, any of the podcast platforms, please rate the podcast, uh, comment on it, uh, give us some feedback. It'll help us to reach a bigger and larger audience over time uh, so more and more people can get access to some of the information that we are sharing. Uh, we feel like we're trying to bring value for your business, value for your operation, um, and so we would encourage you to to like, comment, share um, on whatever platform that you are watching or listening on. Uh, next, we've got we've got another exciting guest that will be joining us, so be sure to check us out next Tuesday, 9 a.m., right here on Facebook, YouTube, uh, our website, lockdoc.net slash live, and Periscope. We're everywhere that you want to be. That's a good... Uh, is that somebody else's slogan? That's Visa or something, MasterCard. Anyway... Check us out for the Coffee Break Podcast. We'll see you next Tuesday. To learn more about the topics discussed today and to connect with us online to hear all of the episodes available, visit lockdoc.net slash podcast. We got so much to say. We got a podcast to make. We're sipping on lattes and it's time for a coffee break. It's time for a coffee break. The Coffee Break Podcast is brought to you by LockDoc Security. We'd love to connect with you online on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Just search L-O-C-D-O-C-I-N-C.